It is always about the Lamb and the cross. When we come together, it is always about the Lamb and the cross. Open your Bibles to Revelation 7, verse 10. It's certainly one of the key passages that unlock the book of Revelation, but it might also serve as a passage that unlocks the overall message of God's Word. Revelation 7, verse 10. Salvation belongs to God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. As we look at this part, this aspect of Revelation 7, verse 10, notice how it brings together four marvelous principles. It brings together God, salvation, the throne, and the Lamb. I believe when we put those concepts together, those are awfully good concepts to live your life by and to look forward to eternally. Because God, salvation, the throne, and the Lamb impact the here and the hereafter for us. John wrote the book of Revelation. John, of course, was a Jew and someone who was very dear to Jesus. But he has no problem at all, no difficulty through the Holy Spirit who inspires him to say salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The Jews were fiercely monotheistic. They believed in one God. They believed that God was real and that God saves. In Deuteronomy 7, verses 7 and 8, he reminded Israel that with outstretched arm and mighty hand, I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of slavery. He would go on to talk about his steadfast love in that passage. And the Ten Commandments of Exodus 20 begin with, You shall have no other gods before me. God is real. God delivers. And yet God and Jesus are included in Revelation 7 verse 10. Going to ask both of our elders to come up, if they would, and read some passages for us. What we're going to do is think backwards. For some of us, that will be perfectly normal. For others, not so much. But we're going to think backwards. Terry, if you would, come forward and read Acts 15, 11. Acts 15 and verse 11. Lynn, you'll follow that with Acts 13, 38 and 39. Acts 15.11, this has to do with the Jerusalem meeting and what was decided by the apostles and leaders of the early church about what kind of uh, restrictions or laws Gentiles would need to keep in coming to Jesus. Acts 15.11. Gentiles and Jews are saved by grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus. The grace of God saves us. 
The grace of the Lord Jesus saves us. Think of the relationship. Lynn, Acts 13, 38, and 39. All who believe in him can be justified from all the things that the law of Moses could not justify. One could know forgiveness of sins through Jesus. All right. So what we have here is grace. What we have here is faith. Turn to Acts 5.31, Terry, and read Acts 5.31. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Notice the mention again of forgiveness of sins, but this time it's linked with Jesus and repentance. Grace through Christ, Acts 15, 11. Faith in Christ was just read, Acts 13, 38. Now repentance in Christ Acts 5.31. Now try Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38, Lynn. And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Baptism and the gift of the Holy Spirit are linked to Jesus here. See the progression backwards. Grace, faith, repentance, and then baptism and the gift of the Holy Spirit from Acts 2.38. Thank you. Is it any wonder, you can have a seat brothers, thank you so much. Is it any wonder that throughout the early preaching of Jesus, it was stressed as found in Acts 4 and verse 12. There is salvation in no other. There's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Because the grace of Jesus, faith in Jesus, repentance in Jesus, and baptism into Christ result in the forgiveness of sin, salvation. John knew that, and it is a joy and a privilege and a delight to be able to realize we can proclaim the same message today and what made people children of God then will make children of God today. And that's true to the very end of time. Now, turn in your Bibles to Revelation again. Because as we focus on the Lamb and the cross, look at Revelation chapter 5 and verse 6. Revelation 5 and verse 6. John tells us here in Revelation 5 and verse 6, I saw as a lamb slain, as one slain, the crucifixion, the death of Jesus. I saw as one slain, a lamb standing near the throne of the Almighty, 
near the throne of the Father. So in one passage, there is an allusion to the death of Jesus, but in the same passage, there is a reference being made to the exaltation and glorification of Jesus, because where is he? He's standing near the throne of God. Revelation chapters 4 and 5 are the throne chapters of the Bible. The word throne occurs 46 times in Revelation. The bulk of them, not all, but many of them are found in chapters 4 and 5. God's on the throne, the Father, chapter 4. In chapter 5, Jesus is the worthy Lamb who sits at the right hand of God on the throne. What I want us to focus on briefly tonight, we've set the tone, we've set the stage concerning the Lamb and the cross, but I want to bring out three truths concerning the Lamb and the cross that are seen especially in the book of Revelation, but really Revelation is just restating things that we know to be true from the rest of the New Testament. Truth number one. The Lamb and the cross were always a part of God's plan for saving man. The Lamb and the cross were always part of God's plan for saving man. Turn, if you will, to Revelation chapter 5. And let's look at verse 9 and verse 10. Revelation chapter 5 Verses 9 and 10. And Adam, if I can bother you, brother, when you get there, would you mind standing and reading that? Revelation 5, verses 9 and 10. Thank you. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Stop just a moment. You're worthy. You were slain, you purchased us, you redeemed us by your blood. The people of God are a redeemed people. The church was purchased with the blood of Jesus, Acts 20 and verse 28. There was a divine necessity for the Lamb and the cross. For people to be redeemed. Keep reading if you don't mind. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And who made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. People from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Have been bought and paid for by Jesus. Salvation is meant to be inclusive. Salvation is redeeming, redemptive. But salvation is intended by the Lord to be inclusive of people from all nationalities and all races. The gospel is for all. And when you look at the passage more, He has made us a kingdom and priest. Salvation... Redeems us through Jesus. Salvation 
is inclusive through the cross of Jesus. And you look again, salvation is a great, incomparable blessing made us a kingdom and priest. How blessed one is to be a child of God to be saved. And that last expression that Adam mentioned, and they shall reign on the earth. Salvation makes us victorious. Victorious. We can face every day, no matter what might be coming our way on that day, victoriously because of Christ, the Lamb, and the cross. Isn't that rich? God's plan has always included the Lamb and the cross. Salvation. Second truth. God's plan concerning the Lamb and the cross and our salvation was accomplished perfectly. Was accomplished perfectly. God's plan for our salvation through the Lamb and through the cross was accomplished perfectly. Think about what Jesus came to do. In Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32, he talks about coming to deal with sin. Coming to deal with sin. I should say he did that. He will save his people from their sins. Matthew 1, 21 through 23, when he was foretold in Matthew chapter 1. His coming was foretold. The passage Tim read for us, Peter puts it so powerfully and beautifully, you can't miss the message. We were redeemed not by corruptible things, but by incorruptible. By the precious blood of the Lamb. To deal with sin. Accomplished perfectly. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Colossians 2 and verse 15. It's an important passage to think about because when Jesus came, yes, he dealt with sin. And one would think that that's enough, but he deals with sin so thoroughly, he also deals a knockout punch to Satan. Colossians 2 and verse 15. Look at the passage. Brother Bill, are you there? Would you mind reading it, Brother Powers, for, not, for everybody? Spoiled principalities and power, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. What do no man therefore judge you and me, or dream or respect of the holy day, or the new <coughs> or the seventh day? Thank you. Principalities and powers, wickedness, Satan and the demons. 
were dealt a knockout blow by Jesus. By the Lamb and the cross. It's said in Revelation 12, 11, that they overcame him, that is Satan, the dragon, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and because they loved not their lives to the death. Follow with me in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verses 14 and 15. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Cody... If you don't mind, read it for us, please, brother. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those through fear of death for all their lifetime subject to bondage. Think about this one. It goes on to speak even more about a knockout punch to the devil. But it talks about the fear of death. The fear of death has been dealt with by the Lamb and the cross. Sin dealt with. Satan dealt with. The fear of death dealt with. Jesus, the Lamb, and the cross perfectly accomplished God's redemptive plan for our salvation. One more item to think about. He broke the walls down. The separation, the alienation from God that existed due to our sin, Ephesians 2, 14 through 18 Because of Jesus, we now have access to God. Talk about perfectly accomplishing a mission. There's now cleansing. Sin has been dealt with. There is now the confidence that though the devil still exists, he can never win. There is the confidence that death is not anything for us to be afraid of. And there is the knowledge and the beautiful assurance that the walls of access between us and God have been broken down by Christ. Isn't that wonderful? What a great message. And that brings me to my third truth. When we think about the Lamb and the cross, the Lamb and the cross are the scope of the church's mission. We must never lose sight of that. They're always at the heart, focused on by God's people. They are at the heart of our mission, the Lamb and the cross. How? The gospel is good news because the Lamb through the cross has dealt with sin. Ephesians 1.7 We have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins through His blood. Let me go back and look at the other three items. Satan has been delivered a knockout punch. For this reason the Son of Man was manifested that he might bring to naught 
the power of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. 1 John 4, 4. Sin dealt with. Satan being dealt with. Death. The book of Revelation was written to a group of people to tell them that there are things far worse than physical death. But because of the Lamb and the cross, hold on to Him, and one will not have to face the second death. Revelation 20, verses 10 through 15. And when you look at this, separation, walls, barriers, broken down by Jesus... Heaven will be a place where we'll be in the presence of Jesus. Without sin, Satan around no more, enjoying eternal life with the saved of all the ages. Don't you think that those are aspects of the message that people need to hear? But let me turn things around briefly. The bad news of the good news is that if one doesn't come to Jesus, one is in sin. One is in camp in league with Satan and his angels, regardless of how good one might think one is. If one doesn't come to Jesus and know the salvation that's to be found in Him through the cross, the second death awaits eternity in hell. And if one doesn't come to Jesus, the Lamb, and respond to the cross through God's grace and faith, repentance, baptism, if one doesn't do that, there will be a barrier between God and them eternally. And it's sad because that's the very kind of barrier that Jesus died to remove. The lesson is yours. But it's a great reminder of the preciousness of the Lamb and the necessity of the cross. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. If there's one in our assembly who is not a Christian, we went through what the book of Acts said to do in order to come to Jesus Christ and respond to his saving grace. Why delay? For those of us who are Christians, let's not lose sight of the good news. Sometimes we pray for people, and it's so good that we do, and many are facing terrible diseases and very difficult times, imprisonment, things like that. But I tell you, death from these diseases or imprisonment for a certain time here on earth doesn't begin to compare with being lost. Aren't you glad it doesn't have to be that way? What an amazing God we have. Let us stand and sing.